Hey, you've made it to SpriceBase, where people managing social media accounts come for community. This year, our focus is social media for good. Together, we can work to make social media a landscape for healthy online communities to grow. Sound good? Then come along with us on the SpriceBase podcast, where we share what we know, learn what we don't, and strive to make social media better for us all. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Surprise Face Podcast. I'm Lacey, and today I am graced by the wonderful presence of Miss Lindy. Hello. How are you doing today, Lindy? Uh, pretty fantastic. It's end of the. It, we're doing a night recording today, so it's a little different. Are you? Do you have enough energy? Are we going to make it through? Okay. Oh, I went and had a blizzard from Dairy Queen before I came <laughs> to do this, so I got all the energy I need. <laughs> and then when we're done, you'll crash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll go lay in my bed. And watch something till I pass out. Perfect. <laughs> um, so I want to start off today asking, is there any piece of social media content this week that brought you joy? There is. I have a friend from high school um, who, she's a super wonderful human being, and she really likes to push and challenge and do different things. And last year, she set a goal to go on one hike every week. So 52 hikes for the year. And then pandemic happened and a hike sometimes turned into like, you know, half a mile walk on a driveway. Sure. Um, so she like asked people, if you have a long driveway, let me know so I can come walk it. And because all the parks were closed. Um, and so this year, um, her mom and her are going to go to the beach once a month. So they're going to drive the two hours to the beach. And um, I just really loved seeing that joy and the way that she engages with nature and with her family. And she brings them into these kind of personal challenges and growth throughout the year. Oh, I love that because, you know, the idea that social media really is made to be something that connects us with people that we know, that we like, that we love. Um, so having it be somebody who's close to you, who mm -hmm. you get to see that intimate part of their life when you're not around them, that's very special. Absolutely. So last week we talked with Adrian about what does good mean, right? All year yes. long, we're going to be talking about social media for good. We tried really hard to define what good means. Mm -hmm. And today we want to kind of take a look at that from another perspective. Okay. Um, so instead of what good means, let's talk about what happens when maybe well-intentioned people get on social media and it goes wrong, right? Yes. They're trying They're trying to do social media for their business, for their organization. Mm -hmm. What can happen that makes it go wrong? Okay, you ready to go through this with me? <laughs> I am. There are so many things. Um, let's dive <laughs> <There> in. <are. laughs> and so many unintentional things. Yes, so, absolutely. Let's talk about it. The first one that I think is the most important that leads social media to go wrong it has to do with values, okay? So this year, we've been pressuring people a lot who yes. are coming to try to work with us, uh -huh. businesses or organizations who are looking for help. And what we'll say to them is, listen, you know, this year, we're really only focusing on social media for good. And so in order to be able to draw and attract a community of people, you have to know what your values are. Because to have people attracted and become part of your community, they only do that because they see part of themselves in you. Right. Okay. These values that you have as a business or an organization, those have to be sent outwards so that it will attract the people who reflect that inwards. Okay. Right. So sometimes people don't know what their values even are. I know what our values are. Okay. What are surprise values? Curious, clever, and caring. Perfect. So I try really hard to make sure everybody internally knows exactly what ours are and that we live them, right? Absolutely. That we, we live them in our real life. We live them in all the parts of our business with interacting with each other, with interacting with um, our clients, et cetera. It has to have... Um, those values need to ring true all the way through. So I've been spending a lot of time pressuring customers or potential clients on whether or not this is something that they have developed. And it's kind of fun <laughs> because it's pretty easy to tell the ones who are very quick to say, yes, these are our values and the ones who kind of have to pull it out of of somewhere. Right. Um. So 
What can happen when you get on social media when your values aren't strong is a few things. First of all, you just start putting out content and without those core values to align the content, your content can end up being kind of fractured. Okay. Um, you have to have enough focus on these values to create a personality for the brand. If you do not have a focus on the values, then the brand can't be identified. Does that make sense? It's like Wendy's, okay? okay. Wendy's has a brand voice that is very clearly identified. They're pretty snarky, which is kind of funny. Yes. If you follow them on Twitter at all, they they are very helpful, certainly, with anybody who has questions. But if they are given snark, they will snark back, right? <laughs> yes. You could, even if their logo wasn't on there, you'd be able to tell it was Wendy's by the way that they talk. And that's okay. the idea that we're trying to accomplish, is that people should be able to recognize a brand's tone of voice, even if they can't see the logo associated with it. Okay. Otherwise, you're not able to actually build a relationship with the brand. Okay? So if your values are not strongly aligned and you have this kind of fractured identity to the public, then people can't build a trusting relationship with the brand that ends up leading to more sales, more community members, etc. I get that because if I'm following a channel or a brand and I engage with a piece of content and they engage back with me, I'm like, oh, okay. And then a couple days later, I engage again and it doesn't feel the same. I'm the continuity isn't going to be there. I'm going to be like, well, this isn't the same person as last time. And sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't, right? But being able to feel like it's a consistent voice, no matter who's responding to my comments, helps me to create a personal relationship with the brand and then want to continue to do it. Because if that happens enough times and then... I'm not going to want to engage with them because I'm not going to feel consistency from them. Exactly. Now, it's certainly easier to accomplish that with smaller businesses than it is larger organizations, right? Because there's just more hands and more voices in the conversation. I don't know. I follow Jennifer Garner and okay. on Facebook and Instagram, and she gets like 1,300 comments on the stuff that she's posting. And there is a response from her profile to every single person. Wow. And every single one of them sound just like her. And I'm like, wow. there's no way that she is spending hours all day long responding to these people. So whoever she has doing that part really has her voice down. We should hire whoever's doing that to like be in charge of all of the customer <laughs> service for the internet companies. You know, yes. like when you call into an internet company and you get an answer you don't like and you hang up and call again so that you can get another representative. <laughs> We need yes. Jennifer Garner's people working for the internet companies. Yes. Um, so that's another piece of it, right? Is is does this voice and brand, it doesn't matter if it's just on social media, right? Because if the voice on social media is solid and it's great, but when you call into customer service or when you send a customer service email, the voice and tone is different coming from there, then you're wrong. Then you're still wrong, right? Yeah. Because then when people are actually using the product and engaging, then there's going to be that disconnect. And they'll be like, oh, well, these people don't even actually run their social media, which is fine. But the people that run the social media are nicer than the people that actually have the business. So I don't want to engage with the business. I mentioned it a tad on the last episode with Adrian, but we started working for a client a couple of years ago who was one of the larger clients we've worked for before. And they hadn't had much of a social presence before for us coming in. And so when all of a sudden we became present on the platform, right? We were we were open and asking questions. Immediately, the first feedback we got was uh negative customer support uh experiences. Oh no. You know. <laughs> and so those people could immediately see this is not what I'm used to, right? Uh -huh. Oh, this is an avenue. All of a sudden they're listening here. Now I can put my grievances here because I'm yes. not getting the response that I want from another avenue. Right. Right. But while that is an aspect that can be bad for social media, right? Because we're talking about where social media goes wrong. That can also be an avenue for improvement because 
if your clients haven't felt like they have a way to communicate back displeasure to you, and all of a sudden you have a social media presence, then all of a sudden you can learn that and you can take that closer look at your business and be like, okay, well, something's failing here. Is there a person? Is there a process that we have that needs to be corrected so that we can have a better forward foot with our clients? That's a very good point. The forward feet are very important. They are. (laughs) Um, There's one more piece of value alignment that I think is important to talk about. Let's say that you're either a social media manager and you're working for a brand or you've got a brand, you're a brand and you've brought in a social media manager. Okay. If either side of that party is trying to get you to present yourself in a way that doesn't feel right to you, Mm -hmm. that doesn't align with your own values, you know, maybe you hire a social media manager and that social media manager says, I can get you XYZ numbers and XYZ time and they start putting content out, but oh man, it just doesn't sound like you, right? Um, Even if they're starting to get some of those results that you might be looking for, but you know, it still doesn't, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't sound like you. Mm -hmm. Or the opposite, you're a social media manager and you've been hired by a brand and they're asking you to do things and say things that it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't sit right. Yeah. It is okay to quit working for somebody. It is okay to fire uh, an organization right. from either side. Mm-hmm. Cause it's, it's a business relationship. It's a partnership. One person is not just a slave to the other party. Exactly. And it just, it will not work if it does not align with your values. Even right. if it works in the <laughs> short term, it will harm the long term right. of your career, of your brand's reputation. If you know that things are out of alignment. So that's one thing we want to make sure we're empowering both sides of a relationship with is if you're feeling like anything is out of alignment with your values, change it. It's it's the most important part. Absolutely. I mean, creating a social media presence for your business or your brand um, can be tricky and it can be hard to find that balance. And sometimes as a social media manager or as a business owner, like you might, your social media manager might push you to be more of a forward focus. And initially that might feel hard because you're like, oh, this is my brand. Like it's my brand. It's not me that I'm selling. Um, So it's okay to sometimes have like those kind of sticky points where you're trying to figure out what's growth and what's good for your business. And so for some businesses, having your personal owner move kind of in the forward facing is good for that brand. And for some brands, it's not. And so even though you might be kind of shy and hesitant, you know, it's good to find growth and to push what you know that the your community is going to want. Um, so sometimes social media is hard because you're growing, but there's a point at which that hard is icky and doesn't align with your values. And then there's yes. a part where it's growth, right? Both can feel kind of sticky and there gets to be this point where one is too much and it's not actually growth. And that's when you know you need to stop a relationship. That's a very good point. There's definitely a difference between pushing yourself and advancing and Mm -hmm. doing harm, just like in a workout, right? Absolutely. Okay, so the next point that I want to move on to um, is when social media can go wrong if the focus is only on sales. Okay. Yes. Um, There's a reason for this. Social media is made to connect humans with humans. Okay. Mm -hmm. And when you turn people into numbers, there's not a relationship happening anymore. Right. Okay. Well, so let's bring it back to when you're talking about brand values, right? So like, why did you start this business? Well, I wanted to make money. Okay. Well, you can make money doing lots of things. Why did you start this business? So when you can help people transition into the reasons versus I just want to make money, then you help figure out what those true core values are. Because if what you're really only focused on is making money, then your community is going to be other people that want to make money, not other people that want to buy your product. So thinking about making sales with your content can't be the only focus that you have. Instead of focusing just on sales, of course, having an increased uh, revenue and return on your investment is important for you to spend money on it for your business. But there's ways that we can get to that and still have integrity. So the first thing you can do is just 
check yourself and make sure that every piece of content that is coming out from your brand has value in and of itself. Okay. Is this piece of content inherently valuable? Does it provide entertainment? Does it provide a sense of awe? Will people laugh? Will they learn? Will they connect with somebody? My favorite thing that ever happens on a piece of content is when somebody tags somebody else in it to bring them into the conversation. Right. Because they're like, oh my gosh. This resonates with me and reminds me of this person. And I think that this person needs to see this content. Exactly. It, that's that's my favorite thing that ever happens with a piece of content that I've created. <laughs> um, but that's that's the first real check is your your content or your social media presence won't be only focused on sales if you're making sure that every piece of content is inherently valuable. Okay. Right. Let's try some examples, right? Because sometimes like, oh, that sounds great, but you know, maybe you work for a medical clinic or a hydro seed grass company or there's tons of different companies that have social media. How do you create entertainment, awe, humor, provide information, reflection? How do you do that with some of these other organizations that feel dry? So one way is is through humor. Okay, humor is like mm-hmm. usually the easiest way. <laughs> if you can define at the beginning of a relationship or at the beginning of your social media endeavor, whether or not humor is an aspect you can bring in, and if so, what type of humor, okay. right? Um, that is a way to instantly turn your content from just sales to entertainment. For instance, I wanted to talk poorly about this one ad that has been in my feed a lot, but <laughs> it's so bad it's good. Um, there's literally a dude in a bathtub full of nacho cheese and it's like this is nacho average digital marketing advertisement you know and Uh like it's it's just for sales you know but he's like he's in a bathtub of nacho cheese it's funny and the algorithms know you love snacks so they're sending (laughs) snack social media stuff at you (laughs) so you know that's one way inherently valuable so let's take the hydro seed company for a second. Um, we actually have a hydro seed company that we work for. You can imagine that that content could be fairly dry. So what do we do instead? We take Christmas hats and and put them on the guys and take photos of them out at the location. So what does that do? That humanizes the brand, right? So instead of just showing pictures of grass all the time, we've got uh, the actual people dressed up in con- in outfits that make the content relevant to the time that's happening right now. Yes. And when you give this kind of behind-the-scenes look at the humans behind a brand, that also is inherently valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's a lot of jokes and puns you can make with the word grass because it sounds kind of like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it also, um, while you were talking, it made me think one way to bring like humor or kind of relevance to a brand is to give the thing that you do a voice. We work with the waterfront and the Vancouver waterfront and the, is it called a pier? I'm like, I don't work with that client. So I'm like, oh, I don't know all of a sudden. Okay, so when we started working with them, the all of the social media posts come with a voice like the peer is actually talking. Like the peer has a brain and communicates and responds in the comments that way. And I'm like, I was just like, oh, how funny would it be to give grass a brain, a voice, right? Or the seed. Oh, that's funny. And like, you know, the pictures of the seeds flying or like having a whole thread about what the seed is thinking in the whole process of becoming grass. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. So that that <laughs> provides like the entertainment and the humor and you can put in like information and reflection just in the words and the choices and the thoughts that the seeds or the grass is having during this process. Another way you can provide value too is um, making something informative, you know, like a did you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Did you know that grass grows this much faster when you add proganic soil topper to it, you know? (laughs) Something that actually teaches, teaches, Mm -hmm. did you know? The easy way to make sure that your content is adding value. Now, Our focus really is on how it can go wrong, though. So there's a couple more points in sales, in in just to focus on sales that Mm -hmm. I want to talk about that people do that's wrong from our perspective. Right. Um, Manipulative headlines. 
used as clickbait. Okay. Yes. So it is so easy to write seven words that are loud and flashy and will intrigue someone. Mm-hmm. Okay. But writing a headline like that, what is the benefit that you're actually giving to your consumer in that situation? You're not giving benefit to your consumer. You're giving benefit to your numbers. Correct. By getting people to click on it and helping whoever you answer to to feel like you're doing a good job instead of actually feeling like the consumer is benefiting. There's a couple of other ways that people do that sometimes, getting these just loud attention-grabbing messages. Mm -hmm. Um, It might be, you know, a video that the first thing that pops up is kind of surprising in the video or Mm -hmm. a little bit shocking. Um, You know, that's, that's good for your numbers. Again, you might get more reactions on that piece of content, but does it actually lead to building a relationship with that person and making that person a longtime customer or community member? Probably not. So when we're thinking about creating content, we, of course, know that we're trying to get a return on on our investment on social media. Mm -hmm. But our focus needs to not be just on sales because then we turn people into numbers and that harms our our long term community building efforts. The next point is a big one that I want to make sure that we take very seriously because it is Um, social media can go bad when people use diversity, equity, and inclusion as a way to be trendy um, and performative and not make any real change, okay? We've seen this a lot in the last year as there have been um, big social movements around race and socioeconomic details. And um, what we've ended up seeing, which has been very harmful to a lot of people's social media efforts, is a sense of tokenism. Um, you know, it's good for people to check their biases and create content that is diverse, inclusive, equitable, representative of the community that they're a part of. It is bad for your social media to... Um, have tokenism, right? To just put people of color in your content because you don't want to get in trouble. Right. Um, It is bad to put up a big message on social media and then do nothing in your actual business to change what you're talking about. Well, and because that kind of goes along with having brand values and a clear voice. Because if doing that is inconsistent with your brand voice, then your community is going to see that and they're going to have that reaction to it, especially because brands can change, right? Voices can change. You can see something, you can like want to highlight it and you can change. But if that one moment, that one post, that one big, long, eloquent thing doesn't actually fit with your brand and you don't change to fit it, then your community is going to realize that and it's going to respond back. I remember maybe two years ago, there was like a a girl, a women-focused brand that was about empowering women and all their social media stuff talked about that. And then all of a sudden, there was this huge backlash because that's what the brand values were, but that's not what the brand culture in the business was. Mm. And that's not how the owner was treating the other employees. And so all of a sudden, the employees are starting to push back on all of the social media stuff, saying, that's not how she treats us. That's not how the community is. And created, like, by actually not treating their employees that way, they blew up their own credibility. Because from the outside, everyone thought that that's what it was. And all of a sudden, their business imploded because they didn't live those values. That's exactly the kind of example I'm talking about here. There were so many brands, and even, if I'm honest, even people that I knew Mm -hmm. who... Um, at the beginning, right after George Floyd's death, there were people who were creating these big statements mm-hmm. and they wanted everybody to see the big statements that they made and applaud them for their statements that they made mm-hmm. on social media about the movement that was starting. And have I seen a lick of it since then? You know, have we seen anything else come from it since these statements that they wanted applauded for? Very little. 
You know, certainly there are some brands who are making steps that are, you know, really working to increase their diversity. Um, But there are many that took that opportunity to join that trend, Mm -hmm. um, either out of out of motivation, genuine motivation to change, but then not making the structural changes or out of, uh, you know, a desire to not get in trouble by not saying anything. Right. Um, But my goal for Spry, and I think a lot of people, um, the goal should be to do more than you say. Right. Yes. Do, do, do more than you say Mm -hmm. online publicly. Because it has to be what happens publicly has to be a reflection of what's happening internally for it to really make a difference. Absolutely. During that time, what I really loved that you did was that you provided, because we are, we're a bunch of white women. Now we have a couple of men, which is great. We're including more diversity slowly as our need for employees grows and the right people fit. But what I love is that you said, hey, we live in a mostly white community. We have all white women employees. I want us to grow. I want us to learn. I want us to understand more. And so you provided funding for us to do that. You said, hey, I want you to find a book, find a webinar, join something that helps you to learn to understand more and let me pay for that because I think that it's important for us to understand people's perspectives. And that's not something we talked about on social media. That's not something we've put out there because we're doing more than we're saying. But I think it's really important that companies have that kind of backup for what they're saying. We can't not anymore. Yeah. That became very obvious this year. And and I think that piece, you know, it's kind of sandwiched in the middle here, but I think it is the most important. And so I, I hope that other social media managers and business owners can dwell on that a bit more and reflect internally about, you know, if you did make a statement last summer, um, how have you done internally about that? Can you get those values to align properly? Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have to post about it on social media. You have to live it internally and it will come out in your social media because it's part of your brand if you really work on it. So, okay, so I'm going to move on to the next point. The next point in how social media can go wrong is a lack of what we call presence management. Okay, so basically that means you have you work so hard on the content that you create and you put it online and then what? Right. Do you just walk away and leave it? And that happens to a lot of brands. A lot of brands put content online and that's where they stop. Um, So not being present on the platform before and after and in between posts is a big, big mistake for brands trying to build community. Absolutely, because social media is not television, okay? Social media posts are not commercials. You're not just putting them out there to be consumed. It's not a billboard. Your goal is to have people engage with that content that you're putting out there. Like, yes, you want people to consume it, but you want to get your numbers up and you get your numbers up by having people engage with your content. So while, yeah, like having no presence management, not responding to anything is negative. But on the flip side of that, spotty presence management also does harm. Because if you're having people comment on your posts and you're only responding to some of them, or people are asking questions and you've responded, somebody asked a question an hour ago and then somebody said, oh, that's really cool, 20 minutes ago, and you've responded to the one that was 20 minutes ago and you haven't responded to the question from an hour ago, then it's your community feels lacking. Like they don't feel that connection to you. It's like, oh, you only like you didn't actually answer that person's question. You're not actually there to help me. Like, I I have that question too. I wanted to know the answer, but now I'm not going to, I don't have the answer because you didn't respond to them. And I'm not going to ask the question because you didn't respond to them. So you're probably not going to respond to me. Responding maybe in the order that comments come in can be important because you don't want people to feel forgotten and you don't want your future commenters to think that they will get so on a very similar vein to that 
a conversation I have with a lot of consulting clients is they will have a tendency to spend more time and attention responding to the negative comments than the positive comments, right? Maybe let's take, for instance, a pizza restaurant that I've been doing some consulting with. Um, They might get 10 comments and nine of them are like, oh, that looks so good. Or what pizza is that? Or, um, you know, oh, you know, tagging their friend, hey, should we do this tonight? You know, all this great chatter is happening. And then the 10th comment says, you call that pizza? What kind of toppings are those even? And the owner is going in and writing, what part of it are you not happy with? Is it the daily cut, you know, fresh cut veggies? Is it the, you know, 100% uh, mozzarella cheese? Is it, and you know, They're being very respectful and they're giving great information back Mm -hmm. actually to that person who had the negative comment and it's genuine, it's, it's responsive, it's informative, but to spend all that attention on that one negative instead of amplifying the positive is a mistake too. Absolutely. Cause I'm just thinking you were listing all those examples and I'm going, oh, with that person that says, Ooh, it looks so good. I'm like, Ooh, you see my cheesy cheese right there? Like engaging that or like, oh, that looks good. Replying, who would you Mm -hmm. want to share this with? You know, so engaging in a way that's going to A, increase the happy feelings about the pizza and B, helping them to reach out to their friends and tag them in your content then increases your organic engagement and increases your organic reach and helps to promote continued positive comments and actual sales. Because if you can get someone to comment to their friend and tag them, hey, this looks good, you know, and they're like, oh yeah, we should go there next week. That's right down the road from my house. Then managing that presence management in those comments actually leads to sales. I can even see it like, you know, you continue that conversation with the people who are saying something positive, like, oh, that looks great. And you're like, um, you know, this month we're also having sale on salads, $5 all month long. Here's a link to the deals page if you're interested. You know, that leads to a Mm -hmm. sale. That leads to a sale. Um, And so it's much easier to convert somebody who already likes you (laughs) than it is to convert somebody who doesn't like you. Um, So that's just a mistake that I see people doing sometimes. Um, Either, you know, that spotty presence management or inconsistent presence management or focusing too much time on the negative instead of amplifying the positive. Um, the, The last thing I wanted to mention in the presence management conversation is I have noticed that there is a point because it sounds hard, right? Like to be that present and that communicative on your content as your community starts to grow and all of a sudden you're at a thousand people and you're getting like 13 comments per post, 20 comments, 30 comments, right? And they don't come all come in at the same time, right? You get two here, you get three there, you get five. But one thing I found that's really interesting is often when you hit like that 2,500 follower, that 2,500 community size, All of a sudden, something magical happens, which is that your community starts doing the presence management for you, okay? Somebody new will ask a question, and those people, they know the answers. They've been around you, and they care about you long enough that they'll pop in and say, oh, yeah, they talked about that on the last live stream. Check it out. It's around five minutes in. Oh, yeah, here's a link to that on their website. You know, we talked about it here or there. Um it's so nice. Like (laughs) if you can just kind of dig in and work hard enough to get to that point where you've got a couple thousand followers and you've got a core group of people who comment and engage on all your content, they start doing that work for you. And it's, it's, it's quite wonderful. Okay. Question in regards to that, because we've talked about no presence management and spotty presence management. Once you have a community that is large enough that helps with that presence management and helps provide providing the answers. Where do you respond? Do you, when you see that and do you, when you see that your community has answered correctly, do you leave it be? Do you tag both the people? Hey, Sally, thanks so much for providing that information for Sherry. You were spot on. That's right where you found it. 
What do you do? That's a good question. I think there's a lot of tr- there's a lot of options once you get to that point. Um, you're often putting out more content once you get to that point, and so the only things you can really focus on are the legitimate questions that your community doesn't have the answer to, unless mm-hmm. you are Jennifer Garner's people and you can answer <laughs> every single thing. <laughs> but oftentimes, what I've found is that the community will actually tag you when they need you, mm. like. What I found is, at least with the communities that I've been working for, um, when the community can't answer the question or, you know, they're really needing, somebody's needing an answer to something, they'll actually tag the brand and say, hey, can you help us out with this? Um, So, you know, it's really a matter of choice, a matter of manpower once you've gotten to that point and a matter of, you know, what you've done well that has helped to build the community the way that it has. And so you've put your focus and attention into those activities and those types of presence management activities um, and let your community feel totally empowered. And a lot of time what ends up happening is it's it's almost like you build these personal relationships with the community members who are are your champions and your communication with them might happen in direct messages and it might happen um you know i've seen in the brands that i've worked with sending gifts you know um sending lots of little thank you gifts in the mail like real physical things and that's a different type of presence management but helps to build your overall social media presence absolutely um there's a brand that I follow and in every one of their shipments that they send out, there is a handwritten note and they have a really funny kind of sarcastic voice that fits really well with their community. And I regularly see their community posting pictures of the content that they've ordered and the funny little notes because the notes are so funny. They're so engaging. They feel connected to the to the people and to the brand and to the community that they're wanting to share that personal interaction with the community, increasing that credibility. It's amazing. I love it when presence management that is the same type of presence management you normally see on social media crosses the boundaries into real life and then back to social media. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, winning. (laughs) All right, so let's move on. We got two more points to get through. One is something that I would like to do a better job on, which is community guidelines, okay? So if you have any sort of social media channel, it's a great idea to have some community guidelines posted. On Facebook, you can do that in your about section. On Instagram, I don't even know how you would do it, okay? (laughs) Because you only have a few characters. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, Maybe you have a link on your website that that lists your social media guidelines. Um, So what we mean by community guidelines really is like the rules of engaging with your brand on your channels. They would include things like, um, you know, respectful communication, no name calling, what constitutes a a comment being deleted, being hidden, someone being blocked. Um, Having those set community guidelines can really solve a lot of problems before they even happen. (laughs) Because then you feel secure in doing that, right? And it's not like, oh, I'm overreacting to this one comment because I'm having a bad day. Or, you know, is this a deletable comment or not. If you have those guidelines, then it provides you the security in doing it. And um, like it's consistent, like your community will feel that consistency because if they see it and then it gets hidden or whatever, like, but if you let a few come through, then they're going to be like, why are they allowing these ridiculous comments? You know, that doesn't feel like a reflection like of the brand or of themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we actually next week on the podcast, we have somebody who is an admin of a very successful, large Facebook group. And she inspired me big time talking about community guidelines. She said the community guidelines for her Facebook group are 20 pages long. Mm -hmm. Oh my golly. And I'm so excited to have her on and, and talk about all of that next week. But it really inspired me that 
that without having the community guidelines, which I'll raise my hand first and say I have been on many pages and and still work on many pages that do not have community guidelines listed. And so that's one of the things that I would mm-hmm. like to focus on this year to to be something that is part of our setup process. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So she inspired me very much for that. I'm excited to have her on next week. Um, but community guidelines, even if it's a few sentences of what is and isn't allowed on the page can answer some Mm -hmm. of those questions for you as you go to deciding what kind of comments to keep, hide, delete, et cetera. Right. I love that because even if you're like, oh, 20 pages, who's going to read 20 pages, right? Well, they can or they can't or, you know, when something comes up and you delete a comment or someone gets cranky, you can be like, well, it's here, you know. Point 10 on page three says that we're not going to allow that. And then when you can consistently do that, then it brings awareness. It has people read them. It helps them to check themselves because they know if you are going to check them, then they can check themselves because there's no point in being sarcastic or rude or name calling because it's not going to live there very exactly. Long. So if you have not set up community guidelines, that's one way that social media can go wrong. Yeah. Okay. So I challenge you. If you don't have any guidelines, you know, you don't need 20 pages to start out. Okay. You can pick five. You can pick three. Pick a couple. Put them out there. And then follow through with them. And as you follow through with them, you'll be able to fine tune, add more, and live those guidelines. Beautifully said. The last point is something that is actually um, less in our control. Okay. So social media for good is this conversation that we're having about really trying to create social media as a landscape that is going to bring more good into the world. Um, Now, a big piece of that that we can't control is the platforms themselves, right? The way that the platforms are built, the way that the algorithms are created. But I still think it's important that we talk about how social media can go wrong because of these platforms, okay? Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest issues facing uh, youth as well as adults right now is their addiction to social media, Um, Mm -hmm. their addiction to their devices. And it's not by accident that this has happened, right? We talked last year a lot about the social dilemma, which basically tells us that the way that our apps are programmed are to keep us on there longer and longer to give us enough dopamine that we are hooked in, we're hooked in, we're hooked in. And when it's away from us, we're almost scared, right? We're we, yeah. we're, un, we're so unsettled and lacking dopamine when we don't have our devices that this addiction comes out. Why? So that they can serve us another ad and another ad and another mm-hmm. ad. Because so, if you're not paying for it, you are the product. Yes. And I test this sometimes. When I'm on my Instagram stories in the evening, um, I'll watch what happens if I just tap to the next story. Then when I'm done with one person's, it shows me a sponsored story in between. If I swipe someone's story, swipe to the next person, swipe to the next person, that will not show me an ad. Because if I'm just swiping Hmm. through, then it knows that I'm not going to wait and watch. But if I'm just tapping through one at a time, it knows that I'm going to see that ad more. Okay. So Hmm. from an advertiser's perspective, it's very nice that they are not wasting <laughs> our money or, you know, our advertising yeah. dollars on not being seen. Thank you for that. I think I spoke about this last week with Adrian, and if I did, I'm going to say it again anyway. In my perfect world, uh, where social media was a landscape for good, you would be able to have little things that would pop up after you've been tapping for a certain amount of time, like Netflix does when it says, hey, are you still mm. watching? Um, It would pop up and say, you know, hey, are you still interested in this? If not, maybe go take a drink of water, (laughs) you know, (laughs) go go stretch. Um, If you're scrolling through TikTok and you're swiping up and up and up and it's the 10th video, you know, maybe a little thing pops up that says, it's your pause time, you know, 
take a break, da-da-da. Stretch your neck in a different angle. Yes. And while you're doing, and you could even make them funny. While you're doing that, think about this delicious pizza you could have tomorrow for dinner. Yes. In my perfect world, social media content and social media platforms would encourage balanced use. It would inspire Mm -hmm. you to put it down. Yeah. I wish that the piece of content that I create is so good that you are so inspired that you can't even keep scrolling or keep tapping because you have to really sink in what you just took in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and in a perfect world, again, the platforms would help inspire and encourage that too. We can't control that. Right. Um, I don't know the answer to that, but I would like to see balanced use because if social media continues to go in this direction of addiction, then it will implode and people will rebel against it and it will no longer be a viable way for us to build community between brands and customers. So absolutely. And I can see even um, where the ads and the things become so prevalent that platforms choose to like monetize the way that Hulu does with like commercial free, right? So the the free version has ads or you can pay a couple more dollars and you can have less ads or no ads. And then you're creating an economic barrier to your content and that creates problems because, well, as businesses, we like to do sponsored posts. We want to increase our reach and our following. So having people be able to pay to limit that also is a negative experience for Mm -hmm. us because then our ability to find new customers decreases. Um, And so it is a really large concept to think about and to think about as things changes those changes to how those affect socioeconomic statuses and different minorities and are we unintentionally taking advantage of or creating larger divides by the practices of these social media platforms well I think we should just be in charge of everything, and I think we would do a great job figuring it all out. What do you think, Lindy? I would like to be in part of the think tank. I don't want to be responsible. (laughs) Okay, I see. All right, well, that's all the points that we wanted to talk about today when we're really thinking about how social media can go wrong, okay? All all year long, we're going to be focusing on social media for good, and these are some of the ways that well-intentioned people might not be able to accomplish social media for good. Lindy, as we're coming to the close here, I just want to ask you how your relationship is with social media right now. I am really enjoying my relationship with social media. Um, I don't, I primarily use Facebook and I don't follow a lot of people or brands that I don't know or have a relationship with. Um, And so, you know, it's been a really divisive time. There's lots of turmoil um, and I can, I feel like I'm in the, a middle. I'm a middle person. I don't really fall on either side. Um, but I have lots of people that are on both sides. Um, and so in an effort to help to game the algorithms, right? Like I don't want to see all of one type of content. Um, I engage with both content. You know, I don't always engage, but I will stop and I will read and I will check my prejudices. Um, if it's something I agree with, if it's something I don't agree with, I don't, I intentionally choose to try and consume media and post content that is in line or out of line on either side with my own personal values. Um, And I feel like I've had a richer and more fulfilling experience scrolling through my feed with content that I enjoy engage in and find valuable having done that I think you're probably outside of the norm you know so many people just without thinking about it you know if they see something they agree with they engage 
And then that over time creates this confirmation bias bubble, which is how people end up living in these two different worlds with two different sets of facts. And, you know, you're yes. somebody who has kind of intentionally chosen to to make that bubble uh, more like a Venn diagram. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, because I think both all, both sides of any issue do that, right? You know, most people do feed into that confirmation bias consumption of content. And because they do that, the algorithms feed them more of that. And because of that, that, that middle ground is bigger. So th- I think that it is important that we become responsible for our algorithms and make those choices and choose to try and understand people. Because if you are sitting in a room with these people, you would be respectful and you would hear them and you would have that conversation. Conversation, You wouldn't always respond, which is fine, but you would take in and process that information and decide where it aligns with you. And the more we can have those conversations, the more we can hear that, the more unified we will be. Because... You can't change someone's mind if you're screaming at them, you know, <laughs> in person or via social media, you know, you all of <laughs> you heard it here, people. You can't change someone's mind if you're screaming at them. So stop it. <laughs> Absolutely. Because even if I don't agree with someone, I really value understanding why they feel the way that they do. And so I'm engaging in these conversations and I am engaging with this content, trying to understand why they feel the way that they do, especially if they don't agree with me, because then I can check myself and I can check why I feel the way that I do and what that middle ground is. And maybe we do both feel closer to the middle or to the similar, but we're expressing it in different ways. Well, very good points. Um, I'm personally very grateful for you being here with me today, Lindy, and I'm grateful for anybody who has spent the time listening and spending some time with us. We're curious about your thoughts on this, right? We're curious from your perspective Mm -hmm. how social media goes bad. Uh, Maybe you've got some examples you've seen of brands who are doing it wrong. I don't want to necessarily highlight things that are bad, but, but I'm very curious in you all's experience. Um, how has social media gone wrong, either for you or for brands that you've watched um, or just concepts? And you can find us talking about this this week at Think Spry on any of the social media platforms on Facebook, on Instagram specifically. We'll be spending some time. You can find us on LinkedIn, um, our website, thinkspry.com. And a lot of good conversation is happening in Spry Space, which is our Facebook group. Um, so we invite you into any of those spaces so that you can talk to us about how social media goes bad sometimes. And of course, next week, we'd like to invite you back. We're going to be um, interviewing somebody new. It's our first time bringing somebody outside of Spry on the podcast. And so we're excited to be interviewing this woman who has done an amazing job building a community of people who are doing really big things. So we'll introduce her next week. And until then, we, uh, we hope you keep learning, right? Always learning. No more cancel culture. Let's do growth culture now. All right. Thank you so much, Lindy. And thank you, everybody. We will talk to you soon. Bye.